Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm joined by Pastor Roger and Vicki Dove. Uh, Pastor Roger and Vicki, how are you all doing today? That's fine, thank you, Great, Grayson. Grayson. It's great to have you. I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. This has been a long time coming. I'm glad to finally have you guys on Hope Talks. Just to share, you know, kind of, I said when I had y'all in, to share a reflection on ministry. Vicki, you recently retired from working at the church um, since 2007. And Pastor Roger, you retired last year from working at the church. So both of you spent many years working at this church, but even before then, you all were integral members of this church and faithful servants in the church. You all wouldn't say that, but I'm going to say that. So uh, thank you for joining me today. And first of all, before we talk about anything church-related, talk about how you ended up here in the Shenandoah Valley. Well, Grace and Roger and I were both raised here in the Valley, uh, both born uh, here locally in Harrisonburg, and uh, we met one another here in the Valley. And after we were married in 1978, we moved to the West Coast for a year and a half and then moved to Arkansas and returned from Arkansas 33 years ago. I graduated from Tech and Forestry on one Saturday. The next Saturday, we got married, and then that Sunday, we left in our car to drive to Washington State to Seattle to a town of a million people, and we knew no one. And I had a job offer for Warehouser Company, and uh, all was going well until we got to Mammoth Springs in Yellowstone. You see, Vicki had really never been out of the state of Virginia, and now she's climbed into the car with this guy that she's dated for four years. But when we got to Mammoth Springs, she realized we went into one of those little cabins, no TV reception, no TVs, gophers crawling under the front porch. And she realized, what have I done? And so she had a meltdown that night. And uh, here's Desperate Roger, who had his nine-inch black-and-white TV that he had in his dorm room at Tech in the trunk of the the car and so i went out and got it and tried to get tv reception with that little tv and rabbit ears in yellowstone national park which i wasn't very successful but we got voices on tv and that was good enough to save the evening so uh this young lady has uh been a faithful wife from that first saturday uh to mammoth springs and to 41 years later wow that's that's probably a story for a another day but uh Wow, that just right there speaks to the faith I think you all have to move all the way across the country as newlyweds and not know a single person. Um, So I'm sure that God probably grew y'all in those early days of marriage. And uh, you mentioned that you moved to Washington State and then to Arkansas. I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. What brought you back here to the Shenandoah Valley from Arkansas? Well, it was Roger's job. He had always wanted to come back home and had the opportunity to go to work with the Virginia Department (laughs) of Transportation. And Grayson, you had asked how we became part of the church, I think, as well. When we were living in Arkansas early on, 
I wanted to find a church, and Roger knew that. And we spent probably three months looking for a church, getting out the yellow pages. We went that far as to get out the yellow pages to look for what church are we going to be attending on Sunday. And Grace and I was unsaved at that time. I did not know the Lord. And we found that we had been invited by our backdoor neighbors, an older couple in their 80s at the time, um, to attend the Church of the Nazarene in our town there. And the only thing I knew about the Church of the Nazarene was we had some neighbors here um, when I was growing up that had gone to the Church of the Nazarene. And the only thing I remembered was girls could not wear shorts or makeup. Now, keep in mind, this was 43 years ago. So this was a long time ago. And... But the Olsons, our neighbors, just kept inviting us. So eventually we said yes. The very first Sunday, we knew we were where we needed to be. So when we came to uh, back home to the Valley, Church of the Nazarene was not even a question for us. It was the first Sunday. Um, in fact, Roger came for a month without me because I stayed behind. And I remember <laughs> Pam Showalter, who worked with my brother at the time, made sure she met Roger at the door every Sunday morning, and she would take him in to sit with she and Jay for services. So we were taken care of the minute we arrived in Harrisonburg. So we knew without a question, this was our church. And as you can tell, she was a faithful wife at the beginning of the marriage. But now two years later, she had also went to work for Warehouser Company in the Human Resources Department. And she had a project that she needed to get completed, that she felt she needed to get completed before she moved back to Virginia with me. So it was a hilarious story. Uh, she remained in Arkansas for one month longer than me to finish up that project. And um, we realized this was the church for us. Um, and uh, But the first Sunday that Vicki and I uh, attended together, I told her, I said, we're not going to stay at this church because this church has no vision. And the reason I said that is because it was downtown completely surrounded by uh, housing. Uh, and um, I mentioned that to someone that week, and uh, but I found out that week that the church actually owned, had already purchased two of the houses next to the church with hopes of expanding. And I, I told Vicki, I said, well, maybe we will say, maybe this church does have some vision. So that's uh, the story there. And that was, correct me if I'm wrong, that was 1988 that y'all ended up coming back to the valley? That is correct. And ended up at the Church of the Nazarene, which was on Roosevelt Street at the time. Roosevelt, Ohio. Yes. Yeah. And a land far away and a long time ago. And Grayson, we had decided when we moved here that we were going to take a six-month break before getting involved in anything here at the church because we had been so active at our church in Arkansas that we just felt it would be good for us to take a break. Um, I think I managed to sit on the sidelines for about three months, and then I couldn't stand it any longer. Roger got involved in visitation, and I got involved in the choir as the very first thing. Um, And we've been serving ever since. And we probably need to retrace steps a little bit. I uh, was not saved when we went to Mr. and Mrs. Olson's, this church of the Nazarene. But uh, shortly afterwards, God, uh, one Sunday morning, uh, God transformed my life there at that church and went to the altar about four Sundays after attending there. And um, I remember the pastor preaching one Sunday about uh, serving. And in my heart, I was saying, yes, uh, 
Reverend Hall, uh, who was a Nazarene pastor back then, and his two of his sons became Nazarene pastors. And one of them was actually in our um, young married class, Philip Hall, and hopefully he'll hear this message. Uh, but anyway, I was listening to the message and thought, yes, preach that. This congregation really needs to hear it. And just as clear as the bell, the Holy Spirit said, no, Roger, you need to hear this. And um, afterwards, I went up and I said, I just feel called to uh, become involved in home visitation. Uh, and that's how that all started. So I wanted to f- let the folks know how I got saved before we moved home and uh, Vicki's faithfulness uh, to me. She was saved when we got married. And um, so, yes, that's part of the story. And. Vicki, I'm going to kind of follow up on what you were saying about, you know, wanting to take six-month break before you got involved in serving, but you said you couldn't wait six months. It was only three months. And you mentioned about how you and Pastor Roger both got involved in serving um, Roger in visitation and you in the choir. And, you know, a lot of times people, when they go to churches, they think, well, church doesn't need me to serve. They got other... That's the perception, I would say, sometimes. But... I think that's a myth. Serving is very important. Involvement in a church is very important. So why, and this is a question for both of you, why did you all think that serving was important and what did you get out of serving in the church? Serving for me is all about my love for God. And I see my service as giving back to Him. And I can't imagine being part of a church, being a believer who wants to express their love for God, not having a heart for serving. For me to just come in and take part in a worship service, take in everything that's provided for me and not give back is just unimaginable to me. Um, To me, it's an expression of my love of God. And I hope and pray that as long as I have breath, that God will provide some means for me to serve, to minister to other people. That's what service is to me. It's ministering to others in whatever way God has called us to. And Grayson, I spent a lot of years early on trying to figure out where God wanted me to serve. I remember in Arkansas and then some here in Virginia as well, checking out almost everything there was in the church as far as service. I would teach for a while. I would lead something for a while. I would serve behind the scenes. I just did all kinds of things, kind of trying to figure out what it was God wanted for me. Eventually, I was able to hear God speak to me about the directions that he wanted me to go. But I think my attempt to try a lot of different things helped me be able to hear God. And for me, Grayson, we're kind of like, Vicki and I, uh, we're like the turtle on the fence post. Uh, we didn't get into service on our own. Somebody helped us to get on top of that fence post. And what I mean by that, there was an elderly man who worked for Alcoa, and his name is Charlie Heckel. And he invested a year of his life teaching three students on the doctrine of holiness. And uh, it changed our lives. And he took the time to do that. And he was our a true spiritual mentor, and um, one of uh, 
uh, our pastors there in Arkansas, and those were such formative years for us. But Ron Richmond, his favorite verse was Second Corinthians five fifteen, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And uh, that was the motivation for me is that I knew what God had done in my life. And uh, I've told Pastor Adrian, I said, I'm convinced I would not be alive today if I had not found the Lord. I'm convinced of that. And um, so when that occurred back then in Arkansas, I realized I wanted other people to find the same hope that I had found. And um, I'm convinced our marriage would not have lasted uh, past those first two years had I not found the Lord. And so uh, we're so indebted. And that's why we have really been motivated uh, to serve was I wanted, uh, Vicki felt out of love for Christ. And for me, it was, I wanted other people to find the hope that right. I have found right. through Christ. Pastor Roger and Vicki, there's each something that you each said that stuck out to me about, you know, why you served or what drew you to serve. Vicki, you said your love for the Lord and wanting to serve Him and our motive in serving. That's, that's the perfect motive is to serve Him it's not because we're doing it for ourselves or anybody else. We're doing it for him. And then, Pastor Roger, the way you said it, just wanting to give back. Like you had this hope, and you didn't want to keep it for yourself, but you wanted to share it with others. Right. And your desire to do that is what led you to serve. And those are just both perfect examples of servanthood. And really, y'all's lives have been and continue to be examples of Christ's leadership and service you know, wherever you're needed. And uh, just the Lord has blessed you both with great gifts differently. And I think y'all are a great match together in ministry. I don't know if there's any stories or any, whether it's related to serving in the church or just, you know, I mentioned that both of y'all worked here and we'll get to that. But just any stories along the journey of ministry and church it doesn't have to just be church but just ministry in general that you all want to share or reflect on well grayson there's a lot of stories just getting here uh vicky when she talked about us moving home it kind of sounded like well that was just a really easy process and and it wasn't it we had to depend on god to bring us home and uh we came home for a surprise visit in 1988 and uh, God kept putting the, a passage on my heart, Matthew six thirty three, because we had been serving in the church in Arkansas. We had gone through a yes, a, a building program. That was our first building program and a relocation that we got to experience. But God kept putting Matthew six thirty three on my heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Uh, these things are your house, your clothing, the things that you need. Focus on the Lord, and He'll meet those needs. And uh, I just really sensed God was doing something. And we came home for a surprise visit. And while we were home on that surprise visit, we found out about the position with VDOT, the environmental position, that was tailor-made for my experience as a forester and uh, the experience that I had in Arkansas with Warehouser Company. And it was so strange, but uh, we, we didn't find out about that job actually while we were here. Uh, it was the week after we got back to Arkansas, but I told Vicki about that, and that passage kept coming back to me. She said, God's been giving me that same passage. And when we crossed the Mississippi River from Memphis into Arkansas, just a couple of miles down the road in all those rice fields, 
there was a huge billboard from a church in Little Rock that had put it up, and it was a white billboard with blue letters uh, in script written from lower left to upper right. I can still see it. And it was this, nothing else, Matthew 6, 33. That's all that was on the board. And um, we found out about the job the next week as a result of a contact we had made while we were here. And that's how God brought us here. And I, for me, Grayson, when I said I wanted other people to find the hope that I had found through the Lord, specifically, I wanted, and I'd always prayed for holiness to be lifted up in Harrisonburg. Uh, for I truly believe uh, that without the message of holiness, uh, I would not be walking with the Lord today. If I had remained in Romans chapter 7 and the teaching where uh, we can try to be good, we can try real, real hard to be good, but you can never do it, you can never do it. Uh, that's Romans 7. And Paul said, I was the most miserable of men. And that's who I was. But Romans 8, uh, most folks stop reading in Romans 7 sometimes um, and say, well, I can't be perfect. And trust me, Roger and Vicki are not perfect. Roger's definitely not perfect. But what that passage is saying is stop living in the flesh in Romans 7 and move on to Romans 8 and start living in the spirit, living with Christ, fully surrendered to Christ, Christ being uh, a full occupant of your heart, not having a divided heart. And salvation takes away the penalty of sin, and sanctification, entire sanctification takes away the power of sin. The tentacles that hold on to us then defeat so many men uh, by trying to live in Romans 7 instead of moving on to Romans 8. And uh, for years prayed that holiness would be lifted up in the community. And the Lord's done that through this resurrected church. And uh, it's been a joy. We're getting older now. Uh, we just came from the doctor, Vicki's uh, dealing with uh, Parkinson's. And uh, I get my hearing aids in three weeks. So we're getting older now. But it's, um, uh, I wrote this to Vicki uh, today. Um, I just felt like I needed to do it in an email. And uh, this is kind of where we find ourselves. She's retiring. I retired last fall. Uh, but ministry's not over for us. Uh, it's just different. But here's what I wrote to her. And I'm going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to focus on one sentence specifically about how our ministry roles are changing. And uh, these are my words to my precious wife. And she didn't know I was going to read these. And when I typed them today, I didn't know I was going to read them. Uh, but Grayson, you asked the question before we got started, and it took my mind to this. And the Holy Spirit just said, you're going to read it. Uh, so it's very personal. Bear with me. My love, you have invested your life well. All that matters at the end, according to Dr. Dobson, which said this 30 years ago, and I've never forgot it. All that matters at the end is who loved you who you loved, and what you did for the Lord. You have and continue to invest well, Vicki. It is not over. It's just changing. You have been an overcomer. You continue to be an overcomer. You have excelled well beyond your upbringing, your formal education, and your social status. You have been excellence throughout your life. You are a lover of Jesus, and you are a lover of my soul. You are that little puppy dog in that picture that you once had with that crust of bread and that big heavy collar hanging on that poor little dog. And yet you have lived the life of a pugnacious lady that dreamed big. In the days to come, here's what I want to focus on, Grayson. In the days to come, our roles in the kingdom will be decreasing. But even a little role is a major role. 
if that is the role the Lord has for us to live. We both still have major roles in his plans then. Some days it may mean only getting up and telling each other we love you. But people are watching, still watching, and you are teaching them and your husband. And forgive me for my impatience and how I sometimes take too much of your pain upon me. It's only because I love you, Vicki. So listen to this video. I recommended a video that she listened to. It's a powerful testimony by Denzel Washington about life. I said, so listen to this video. I believe it could be the most important thing you do today other than telling me you love me. Vicki, I love you dearly, and I'm so proud of you. So I wrote that this morning. It was just really strong on my heart. Sent it to her in an email, and I said, this will be the most important thing you do today is to read this and listen to the uh, video. I don't know if she listens to the video. She often doesn't do what I tell her to do, but she's shaking her head yes. So I guess she did. So, Grace, I've talked too much. Vicki, you pick up where I left off. Well, I won't be exactly picking up where you left off, Roger, but Grace, in, in light of your question, I don't have a story about any one thing necessarily, but what I think about is God allowed us to see a wonderful miracle. And I think that one of the reasons we were able to see it was because of our involvement right. in the church here. And Roger mentioned um, a resurrected church, and God really did resurrect this church. Right. There's no question about that. And he brought us um, such a long way um, under the leadership of your dad. And to be able to see what God did for this church and to see what he has provided for us here on Boyer's Road since those years, I think it's a real blessing. And my prayer in recent years has been, God, do it again. And I feel so encouraged about the future of our church yes. here. Yes. And I think part of that is because we've seen what God can do. And there's absolutely no reason that God won't do that again. We need to be a people ready to receive it. We need to do what God calls us to do, not only as a church, but as individuals within the body. And, you know, Grayson, when you first asked if Roger and I would be willing to do this, and you mentioned wanting to talk about reflections, right? I thought about that, and I struggled with it just a little bit, as you know. Right. And part of that struggle was because I believe that we need to be focused forward. Right. And the thing that I did come to realize, though, is when we have the past that we can go back and look on the past that we have and knowing what God did and seeing what God did, there's no reason whatsoever to believe that we do not have a positive, optimistic, bright future ahead. Now, Roger's right. We are diminishing in ministry, but God has reminded me in the last year because making the decision to retire wasn't a real easy decision for me. Uh, Roger mentioned uh, my Parkinson's, and that played into my decision. If it was up to me and I had the health to do it, I'd have continued to work until I was 70 years old. That was always my goal. But I'm reminded that our plans are not necessarily God's plans. Amen. Amen. But uh, what I realized is that the many, many years that Roger and I've had 
here at the church. I look back on all the opportunities God provided um, for both of us to serve and areas that he allowed me to serve in. And I consider serving a privilege. I always have. And I have struggled since I decided to retire with what is that going to look like for me in the future because I don't want to stop serving God. And even if I'm having health challenges, I don't want to stop serving God. So I think it's simply a matter now of listening for what God has to say to me about what that future service is going to look like. And for many, many years, I served behind the scenes. And I realized maybe God's going to have me serving behind the scenes again. And you know what, Grace, and that's okay. I just want to be able to give God my all, whatever that is. And Grace, and I would, before we get too far from this, I would really like to speak to those who are listening and thinking, how do I get plugged in? What is God calling me to do? And Vicki touched on it earlier in a conversation, and the folks couldn't see me, but I was shaking my head, don't say that, don't say that. But the Nazarene Church 40-some years ago was a very legalistic church, and uh, it was all about not wearing makeup. I couldn't wear shorts. You couldn't dance. You couldn't go to the moves. And um, it was very legalistic. It was self-righteous. That is not the message of holiness. Their intent was very good, uh, but that's not holiness. That's self-righteousness. That's still living under Romans chapter 7, trying to do it through works. But the joy to me is uh, today uh, the Nazarene Church has changed, and it's a church of Romans 8. And it's not self-righteousness, it's righteousness. And there's a big difference. It's uh, not being controlled by the power of sin. It doesn't mean that, uh, well, just read Romans 7 or Romans 8, and you'll understand the difference between living in the flesh and living in the Holy Spirit. But I want to speak to those folks that are listening about your anchor lap. And um, I truly believe God gave us the faith foundation in Arkansas. He moved us back to Virginia, not because we could be back with family and friends in the place that we love. He moved us back to run our anchor lap. And what is an anchor lap? It's that lap that God has designed for us to run, and really we're the only ones that can run it the best. It's like the book of Esther, for such a time as this. You know, Mordecai basically said, if you don't do it, God will raise someone else up that will. But I am convinced that Esther was the best positioned individual to run that anchor lap for such a time as that. And will we still be involved in ministry going forward? Yes. Will we uh, still serve in the kingdom? Yes. And there may be another anchor lap for each of us in the future. But I really believe during those hard years on Roosevelt in Ohio, and and, uh, the transition years and the years of vision and the years of sacrifice and in the years of stepping out in faith and selling a church and meeting in Stone Spring Elementary School and packing up everything that we used uh, during the services there into a van and parking it in a garage uh, for the week and then taking it back the next Sunday and rolling out the carpet for the kids to play on and the organ for Pastor Joe and the music team to play and the PA system for Pastor Carrie to preach. You know, that's an anchor lap. And, um, but there are more anchor laps for the people that are listening, and they are best positioned in their own sphere of influence to run that anchor lap. And if they don't, God will raise someone else up. But I'm convinced 
that the most powerful impact is when they run the agri lap that God placed in front of them for them to run. Thank you for sharing that, Pastor Roger, and thank you for sharing, Vicki. Grace and I would like to just let you know that um, I am so grateful that Vicki and I were able to do this together. Uh, it is a memory that will be captured, uh, that will be dear to one of us in the future. Um, I want to tell the folks listening these words, uh, because these words that I wrote to Vicki today will apply to them someday. In the days to come, our roles in the kingdom, they will be decreasing. But even a little role is a major role, if that is the role the Lord has for us to live. Amen. Amen. Pastor Roger and Vicki, thank you for both joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you. I'm just going to close praying a blessing over both of you. Lord, I just come before you today, and I just thank you for Pastor Roger and Vicki, and just for their willingness to serve you in any season, of, in all seasons of life, Lord, and I just thank you. That's just a perfect example for all of us as Christians to know that we can serve no matter what stage of life we're in, or no matter what our circumstances is, that we should desire to serve you up until we draw our last breath, Lord, and I just pray that you continue to give them the strength to be able to serve in the way that they would desire to serve you because they love you, Lord, and they also want to share the good news with others that they have, Lord, and I thank you for their lives and their testimony and the example that they're living and have lived and will continue to live, and I thank you for that, Lord, and just pray a blessing over them and their lives, and I ask all this in your name, amen. Thank you for joining me today. What a blessing, Grace, and you are to this church and the kingdom. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I pray that as you've heard Pastor Roger and Vicki share today, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.